Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Earlier this week, I was talking with one of my clients, and we were talking about an issue, and we kind of got on this subject of how selfish and self-centered people can be. People, meaning us as human beings. And what was really striking to us was even in close relationships where we would assume or expect that there would be a quote-unquote natural selflessness, right? For example, the parent-child relationship or the husband and wife relationship. We, we expect those people in those relationships, particularly when it comes to parents and children, to be selfless. Or in husbands and wives, we would expect and hope that that, those, those, that couple, that husband and wife would be selfless. But yet we still find even in those relationships that people are selfish. And how do we know? Well, that's why we have a foster care system, because there are parents who are selfish and really don't take care of their parents. And yes, I know that there are people who have you know addictions and issues and kind of all of that. But barring any uh, psychological issues, many of those are issues where people have chosen a lifestyle, again, where they can't take care of their kids. And that's being selfish. Right. And so um, even in uh, terms of husband and wife, that's why we have divorce courts, because, again, people find themselves doing selfish things. And so as a result, they can't live together in holy matrimony because, again, self being selfish, doing selfish things, pursuing selfish ambitions. Right. And so I'm sure we can think of other relationships that are what are called, quote unquote, dysfunctional due to us as human beings having this capacity, this huge capacity to be selfish. Right. Knowing, knowing that we've taken a vow or we've committed or we've uh, uh, had children or taken a spouse or whatever it is. And yet we find ourselves doing exactly what we want to do and not having uh, the other person or the other entity or the other Uh, in mind when we do it. And so I'll pause right here and I'll call it exactly what it is. It is sin. It is the root of this is sin. The root of this incredible capacity we have to be selfish is sin. And I'll pause right here and I'll I'll just mention Elder Tyus, uh, Elder Wayne Tyus, who you heard a couple weeks ago on the podcast. He has this acronym for sin. He calls it self-indulgent nature. And that absolutely sums it up. Because it is about us and what we want and our desires. And again, it's that self-indulgent nature, right? And so we have to just really pause and look at that and say, what is it? And so my, uh, my client said, she said, you know, it's really a matter of the heart. And I thought that was so profound because it really is a matter of the heart. Um, and, and, and so naturally, when we hear the term heart, I believe for most of us, the first thing we think of is this physical human heart, this this organ that's in, in the in the in the center of our uh, chest, slightly to the left. Right. But so I'm going to talk about the physical organ of the heart just for a few moments. So indulge me because I'm going somewhere with this. It's that muscle. Like I said, it's that muscle in the, the center of the heart positioned slightly uh, in, uh, to the left. 
right? And so it's that, that muscle that's responsible for pumping blood around our body as the heart beats. And so the blood sends uh, oxygen and nutrients to all parts of the body, and it carries away unwanted carbon dioxide and waste products. And our circulatory system is a complex network of different blood vessels, and really there are three categories of blood vessels. They're arteries. And the arteries are the oxygen-rich blood vessels that uh, carry blood away from the heart, right? So it's got the oxygen, it's carrying blood away from the heart. But here's the thing, those arteries get smaller as they get further away from the heart. And then we have veins, veins, they carry the deoxygenated blood or blood that lacks oxygen back towards our heart. And they actually get bigger as they get nearer our heart. And then you have those capillaries. The capillaries connect the smallest of the arteries to the smallest of the veins, and that helps with the exchange of oxygen, water, carbon dioxide, nutrients, waste, all of those products get carried away from and to the tissues. That happens within the capillaries. And so in order for us, in order for our hearts to keep pumping regularly, it needs this electrical signals, electrical stimulus or electrical impulses, which are sent from the heart muscle, telling it when to contract and when to relax, right? And so simply put, there's a direct correlation between the quality of our daily lives and the health of our physical hearts. So let's shift. This statement is also true when it comes to the biblical meaning of heart. There's a direct correlation between the quality of our lives and our hearts. And so when the Bible speaks of heart, first let me tell you that the, the word heart is mentioned over 830 times in the Bible. And very few of them, very few of them refer to the actual physical organ that's inside of our bodies. When the Bible uses the word heart, it primarily refers, primarily refers to that ruling center of the whole person, is the spring of all desires. That's what the Bible is referring to when it's referring to heart. And so the heart in the Bible is seen as that seat of our will. It's the seat of our intellect. It's the seat of our emotions. It's the seat of our character, our personality, and our minds. That's what the Bible is referring to when it talks about heart. And so according to the Bible, the heart is the center not only of spiritual activity, but it's the center of all of the operations of human life. What do I mean by that? It's the home of our personal life, and therefore it's a, a, a person is designated according to his or her heart. They'd say that somebody has, they makes one wise, it makes one pure. They're upright and righteous, they're good when we're talking about their heart. We, you hear this all the time, the common vernacular is, man, that person has a good heart, right? It's not talking about the health of the heart, it's talking about the character of that person. The heart is also our mental center. The heart knows, and I have scripture to back all of these up. I won't read them all, but the heart knows, the heart understands, Isaiah 44 and 18. The heart reflects, the heart considers, the heart remembers, right? The heart is also our emotional center. The heart is at the seat of our joy, Isaiah 65 and 14. The heart, this, this heart, when we talk about our emotional center, the heart is where we get our courage. The heart is where we get our strength. The heart is where we get our confidence. But the heart is also where we feel pain and anxiety and despair and sorrow and fear. That's that emotional center when we talk about the heart. The heart is also this moral center where God tries our heart. God sees our heart. Now, come on. We know this one. All of us, if we've spent any time in church, people will use this as a crutch. But when they say God knows our heart, that is so true. God really does know what's in our heart. 
in terms of from a morality standpoint when we would to do good and we do evil when we would to do evil when we intend to do good right and so God really knows that he searches our heart Jeremiah 17 and 10 and mankind has an evil heart Proverbs 26 and 23 there are people who have godless in their heart there are people who are perverse and deceitful in their heart and the work of God gives us a pure and clean heart and also the work of God gives us a new heart the heart is also the seat of conscience. what do I mean by that morality integrity ethics has to do with our heart how do we know Hebrews 10 20 uh, Hebrews 10 verse 22 let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water and that which receives the love and peace of God is in the heart Romans 5 and 5 now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And the last one in terms of this seat of conscience, Colossians 3 and 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. And finally, this heart in terms of what I'll be talking about is it's the dwelling place of the spirit of the Lord, right? 2 Corinthians 1, 22 and 20, 21 and 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, verses 21 through 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then finally, Ephesians 3 and 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, right? And so I can hear you say, all right, I got it. I got the physical heart. I got the definitions, biblical meaning of heart. So what does all of this mean? I see two main similarities between our physical hearts and this ruling center of this, our being, this spring of all of our desires, right? In other words, I see the the two similarities between our physical heart and the biblical definition of heart. First, if you'll recall from what I talked about when I talked about our physical hearts, that the closer the blood vessels are to the heart, the bigger they become. The opposite is true. The further away they are from the heart, the smaller they become. What meaneth this? So from a biblical perspective, this means that the closer we get to God, the closer we get to really knowing God and experiencing God, the greater our wisdom becomes, the greater our courage becomes, the greater our joy becomes, the greater our strength becomes, the greater our peace becomes, the greater our understanding. And you put whatever you want to put in there, but the closer we get to God, the bigger our faith becomes, the bigger everything that is godly becomes because while we're drawing close to God, draw let us draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith, right? And so here's the thing, the flip side. So right, the further away we get. So fear, anxiety, despair begin to get smaller because they are far from God. The Bible tells us that God in First Timothy, in, in, in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the Bible also tells us, right, to be anxious for nothing, 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So again, the closer we get to God, the bigger our faith, the bigger our wisdom, the bigger our courage, the bigger our strength, and the further away anxiety, fear, doubt, despair. Why? Because they cannot exist in the presence of God because they are not from God. And then the second quality that I see between our physical hearts and the biblical heart is this, is that our daily lives are greatly enriched because of a healthy heart. What do I mean by that? Our heart is made healthy by totally surrendering it to Jesus Christ. Just like our physical heart receives electrical signals, electrical impulses telling it when to contract and when to cons- when when to relax, right? We need heavenly signals from the Holy Spirit telling us when to advance and when to stand still, telling us when to speak and when to keep silent, telling us when to pursue and when to retreat, telling us when to work and when to rest, telling us when to go and when to stay, telling us whatever it is that we need to do at the time and the moment that we need to do it, right? Why? Because in Him, in Christ, in God, we live and we move and we have our being. And as a result, as a result of our hearts being surrendered to the Lord, our life functions like a well-beating heart. What do I mean by that? In other words, our heart, the seat of our will, the seat of our intellect, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our character, the seat of our personality, our minds, they function the way that God has intended for them to to function. And as a result, our lives are fulfilled. We are at peace. We're not anxious, but we have joy even when there are situations and circumstances going on all around us. But here's the other part. Real talk, family. Real talk. So what happens when we have this healthy heart, when we're connected to the source, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and giving us downloads and prompting us and signaling us signals? Then we can be Uh, Instead of being selfish, we are selfless, even when people are coming to us and they are trying to take advantage of us. Our response is always, Lord, how would you have me to respond? Right. What do I mean? Even instead of repaying evil for evil, we repay evil with good. Proverbs 25 and 22. And it talks about when we do that, it's like heaping a coals of fire on their heads. In other words, what does that mean? What it means is when people come to us with evil and we don't repay evil with evil, but we repay evil with good. If they have a conscience, if they have a heart talking about the God ordained heart, if there's any uh, morality or ethics inside of them, they has to be a, a sign of remorse or guilt. Why? Because we have responded not evil with evil or force with force, but we have responded with evil with good or we responded force with love. Right. Or we've responded to hate with love. And it has to cause them to wonder, what is it? Why is it? They didn't that they didn't respond and come back at me with the same force or vengeance or aggressiveness with which I came at them. Here's why, family, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, our charge, our chief aim, our goal, our mission is to release the love of God from our hearts 
into the world so that others can experience it in tangible ways, so that they can see, that they can feel, that they can touch, that they can know that there is a God in heaven who loves, that there is a God in heaven who has a heart for people. And what happens when we do this, when we release this love from our hearts, people are transformed by it. And then family, the quality of our lives and the quality of their lives, of those who are around us, of those with whom we interact are impacted because there's something different about how we respond. There's something different in our walk. There's something different in our talk. There's something different in our character. And as a result of this love from the heart of God that we express out of our hearts, this heart of God, that people are transformed by it. And then it truly is a matter of the heart. So remember family, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by audionautics.com.